Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, friend. Hello. How's it going? Pretty well. How are you? I'm not bad. Uh, Friday, so. Yeah, it's a good day. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But it's crazy how quick winter seems to be coming. I know. I feel like just a few days ago, I was complaining about how hot it was. And now it was, it's been cold and rainy here. And Yeah, I was actually on the East Coast closer to you this week for a work trip. And I think Wednesday got to 90 degrees. Yeah. It so. was, I was taking my son inside because we were sweating out there. It was brutal. Oh, we'll here we are. Yep. <laughs> I know. It's been a long oh. summer, I feel. Yeah. Okay, so I sprung this icebreaker question on you, but um, something I thought of was maybe sharing a mom win and a mom fail from the week. Something that went well and something that maybe didn't. I love this because I feel like I don't focus on this enough, but of course, all that's in my head are mom fail, mom fail, fail. I see you and you're doing a lot right, so... (laughs) Well, I would say a mom win. My son turned two on Monday. So that's still within the week. We took him to the zoo and just, we were coming off of a week of my brother-in-law being here and then everybody being here for the weekend. So he was a little emotionally wrecked. (laughs) And I, I would say a mom win was just really holding that space for him throughout the lack of napping and all the big feels and all of that. So I'm gonna... I'm going to call that a win. Yeah, this is something we're totally going to have to talk about on the podcast, like the yeah. emotional side of parenting at some point, but yeah, it's, I love that. It's been an eye-opening thing for me, but yeah. Um, okay, a mom fail. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm going to go... Do we not even use that word, but... <laughs> yeah, um, a mom room for improvement, room to grow. Yeah. <laughs> I would say this week has been weird with what he's eaten. And yeah, I don't, I guess it's not a fail because he has eaten, but I haven't really cooked at all. <laughs> it's just, okay. been, here's two bananas a day. Here's, I mean, just here's three bowls of yogurt. I don't really care. It's, I feel like we have not, all of us have not been eating much <laughs> at all. So I swear I feed my family, but it's just not been. <laughs> Was part of that all the guests? I think, I think it was, we've, I think we you lose your a, meal prep weekend yeah, and yeah. a social hangover and our sink was clogged for three or four days. So that oh really, we, we thought we could get it and we just couldn't get it. So that really threw us off, but yeah, it's been a week. So I'd yeah, love to hear I, yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, my son turned to last Thursday, so not within the week, but, um, 
So my win, which I told you about the other day, was Connor is eating sardines again. (laughs) You mentioned that in another episode that he kind of stopped. And I was so bummed because it's a really great source of source of calcium because you're eating the bones and he doesn't drink a ton of milk. I don't know what an average two-year-old drinks, but um, I just like getting that extra boost to calcium from the fish rather than from dairy. So that was very exciting for us. We cooked it. I used to just give it to him straight out of the can and I wanted to try again. So I cooked it to try to spice it up a bit, but I was super excited about that. And it's so easy. (laughs) I know. I love them. I'm going to have to try your cooking method. Yeah. So, um, and then mom room for improvement. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's not really specific to this week, but I've just been thinking about it. Like being pregnant, I've just been more tired and just watching TV more than I want to be watching TV. And now my son's coming home and he's saying, watch office. (laughs) 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 And if we walk in and my husband's watching something else, he's like, not this one. How about office? (laughs) At least you have good taste. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh no, we've been watching too much TV if he's coming in and wanting the office. So I, I want to start being more conscious of that. I've still been kind of tired, um, all the nausea and all that from the first trimester is gone, but I also probably need to give myself a break. Yeah. You're doing a lot. You have a lot on your plate and it's a season, you know, it is, it is It's a season. Yeah. But uh, just trying to find something to, I want to find something to connect with my son on that isn't TV. Like I want us to have our own activity. And my husband loves doing all the, the park and the running around and like all that. And I'm kind of just like, not super into that, especially as it's getting cold. It sounds terrible, but like, I just want to find something we enjoy doing together. So. Yeah. We're very similar in that regard. I've been, I've been feeling that lately too. Like I like playing his toys with him and things like that, but it's a lot of stuff at home. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We'll have to brainstorm that together. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So today we are talking about breastfeeding. And this is a topic I, I posted on our Instagram account about this a few weeks ago now. And I've gotten so many women coming up to me saying, oh my gosh, I've had a lot of the same issues and I'm so glad you're talking about this. And so we just wanted to open up a bigger discussion. Yeah. And our stories are pretty different, I think. And I I love that. I really do. And this is of course, coming from a place of not saying one way is right or wrong, non-judgment, however you choose to feed your baby is how you feed your baby. But we just thought it was like Michelle said, just important to, to discuss and make people feel less alone because we've, I, I, think I've felt pretty isolated with this whole motherhood journey at certain parts and breastfeeding was one of them for sure. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I remember like when I was pregnant I was craving all these birth stories. I listened to a lot of birth stories, walking on podcasts. And after having the baby, I was like craving 
these breastfeeding stories, but it just didn't really exist. Um, so the fact that we do have different stories, I think is a good thing, but we're definitely not experts. We've each only breastfed one child yeah. <laughs> and we've only had one body that, you know, it, it's not a lot of experience, but yeah, just, just sharing about it and giving some thoughts I think would be fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I personally thought that, you know, you see movies or shows or whatever, where you have a baby and then they're just right there on your chest and they're, they're just nursing and it's easy and it's beautiful. And this, this magical moment. And in so many ways it was, but it also was not, (laughs) you know, it's just, um, I, I didn't really know what to expect going in because like you said, Michelle, I was preparing so deeply for labor and delivery. And then it was just everything else after that was, and has been anybody's guess. So it took us a while to really get into a groove. And I remember being so frustrated at the hospital because granted it was only a few days after giving birth to this, this human, but I just was, it wasn't working. And I had so many nurses coming in and just slamming his head on my breast and they were shoving this nipple shield on me. And I was just like sitting there so confused, so frustrated. I had my mom trying to help me and uh, oh my gosh, it was probably something for a comedy show. You know, I'm sure it looked like a skit or something, but it just, it didn't feel natural to me. And it didn't feel natural to me for weeks, months. I remember I had a little bracelet that I would switch my wrist. You know, every time he would nurse on one side, I would know, you know, I just got, I wouldn't say I was obsessive about it because I I really did quit that early on. I just kind of gave up on (laughs) tracking. Um, But it took a lot of brain power. And when you're running on so little as it is, it was, Yeah. yeah, it was a lot, but I would dread him nursing on one side or the other because inevitably one side was cracked and bleeding and he would be nursing and it was just so painful. I remember just sitting there crying, just wondering why I couldn't have this blissful, magical experience at the beginning. Like I, I, of course I wasn't talking to anybody about this. I thought, I just assumed so many people had that. And And how many weeks in was that, that you were still in a lot of pain? Yeah, it was probably three or four. Okay. Remember, it was a while. And it wasn't it wasn't on both sides, but it seemed like when one was producing beautifully and totally fine, the other one it felt like little razor blades just on my nipple. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. But I also um I wasn't prepared for how much of a full-time job nursing was. I we had our little recliner rocker set up and I just remember spending hour after hour after hour with this kid who is screaming. I'm assuming he's hungry. I'm supposed to be the one to comfort him. And I I just didn't realize cluster feeding was a thing until I mentioned it to someone and they just said, Oh yeah, honey, that's normal. Well, I mean, thanks a lot. (laughs) I didn't know if I was producing enough. I didn't know if I was starving my child. It was just this nonstop I don't know. It was, it was so draining in so many ways. It was so draining. And, uh, my son was never a sleeper. So you add that to everything and it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, and then I, I went back to work. I'm trying to remember, I think at 10 weeks, nine or 10 weeks. And gosh, I was a speech pathologist. So I had kids from 
I think nine in the morning until my lunch at noon, just back to back to back. I had a half hour lunch. I had to pump during that. And then from so say 12:30 until two kid, kid, kid. And I couldn't skip them. I was mandated to see them because then I would have to do makeups and it was this whole like paperwork nightmare. And the pumping room, it wasn't really a pumping room. It was the library, but it was all the way on the other side of the building. So somehow in that half an hour, I had to gather all my things, go down there, you know, suction myself up and do the thing. And I didn't get to eat lunch. I didn't really. And they consider that providing you accommodations for respite. Yeah. yeah, they sure did. And I said something to my boss because I was in tears after the first couple of days, just so unsure of how I could do this. And it's something I, I personally wanted so badly for my son. It's just, it's what I wanted. And I didn't know if I would be able to continue that. And, and even just that half hour, my boss, she wasn't really cool with that either. Um, she didn't have kids. She didn't really, you know, get it fully, I guess. And yeah, it was just, it was, it felt more of a burden to her. <laughs> like I was just this problem. Um, still there's a law. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess that <laughs> covered it or uh, something. I don't know. I um, really don't. It was, it was tough. Cause most of the time, if he didn't eat before I left, I'd have to pump as soon as I got there, pump on my lunch, depending on how late I had to stay pumped before I got home. I lived really close to where I worked. So that was great. I didn't have to do a car situation, but it's still like, you're packing up this pump and all these bottles and these ice packs. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And I, I consider myself to be very, very fortunate because at the time I lived in New York and they had just passed a paid family leave act. So I was able, I think I worked for four or five weeks and then I was able to leave again. <laughs> and honestly, if I hadn't, had that opportunity, I'm not sure I would have continued to nurse because it was, it was hell. I'll just go ahead and say it. That was hell for me. It was terrible. It was terrible. So working moms who do all that, I have so much respect for you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So that was a tough time, but yeah, I, um, throughout the whole breastfeeding journey, I nursed him until he was about 20 months and he, I mean, he loved the booba. He would call it the booba. He loved it. He still <laughs> does, but <laughs> he was obsessed. So, you know, I just rolled with it. And eventually, of course, it did get easier. I'm trying to think whenever it actually felt, quote, natural to me, it was pain-free. It, it was a while. It was, it was months. Um, I was unfortunate to have mastitis. I think, I think I had a clogged duct three or four times and full-blown mastitis at least twice. So that was also miserable. Um, yeah. I wasn't really this overproducer, I would say, but uh, I was just unlucky. I don't know what was going on in there, but <laughs> it was terrible. No, I had a lot of that too. It, yeah, isn't it like such a kick when you're not even making enough milk and you still get yeah <laughs> like mastitis? How is this fair? How is this right. fair? So the few times that I, it was just on the verge of it and didn't develop. I, you know, there were a lot of strategies that I tried that I, I think, I mean, I guess they worked because I didn't get the full blown thing, but I mean, that was tough too. It's, you don't want to have a kid on your boob when you're in that kind of pain, but you know, that's the only way through it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was definitely a factor too, but I realized how fortunate I am to have had that that piece of parenting, because it's, it's something that I wanted so deeply. And I know some women, you know, want the same thing and 
don't get that opportunity. So I'm grateful every day, even through the tough stuff. Um, but it was just, you know, you think, you think it's supposed to be, like I said, natural and beautiful and perfect. And it's not always, (laughs) I would venture to say it rarely is. (laughs) So I'll definitely touch on something that you said about the expectations. And that was something I, I can kind of admit, I think I was a little cocky about it almost like, Oh, I'm, I eat this great diet. I'm having a home birth. Like I, I'm going to be able to do this and I'm not going to have any problems. And then I'm going to get to tell women like, Oh no, it was fine. Like, and I felt like I was doing that throughout my pregnancy. People would ask things like, Oh, are you getting swelling? Are you getting this? And I'm like, Oh no, I just didn't get that. And I, I wanted to be, I just wanted to not have to have that. So going into breastfeeding, I was really expecting it to all be perfect and to just be able to kind of brag about that. And it's, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that now because I want to connect with women through their struggles. And, but yeah, it, it didn't end up going well and I didn't expect it. And I don't think I was super well equipped to handle that. And like you said, I did a lot of research about birth and labor and all of that. And I did take a breastfeeding class, but it didn't really prepare me. So, um, so I started, I had an inverted nipple, just one and immediately starting breastfeeding. I had a lot of pain, bleeding, scabbing, and it, it just didn't feel right. And with the home birth, I didn't have a lactation consultant available to me like you would in a hospital. So my midwife came back and she was kind of giving me advice about breastfeeding. And I love her and I want her to deliver all of my babies. She is great at what she does, but she's not a lactation consultant. And she had this stance of, oh, if you just have more skin to skin contact and just do more of all the things. She didn't want me to try a pump. She didn't want me to do any of that and obviously not have formula because you impact the supply and demand. And so she just had this, this rigid stance where I just need to try harder. And I think that can be really dangerous because you could potentially be starving your kid. And so I will, I I just want to stop and talk about the supply and demand thing really quick. That was something that has come up with some of my friends where they didn't necessarily take a breastfeeding class, but the hospital was telling them right away, like forcing formula on their baby basically and not informing them that it could impact their breastfeeding relationship. Um, and those early days are very critical to be getting enough milk out to, to stimulate to your hormones. Yes, I had a healthy baby that's going to be breastfeeding. I need to produce this milk. So, and I'm not going to say never do formula either. Obviously, it's just something to consider that if you do that early on, your body might not be making enough milk. So for me, my son 
was starting to lose weight at two weeks. And I think he wasn't drawing enough milk, which I do think impacted my supply. There's a million things that could impact supply. So I can't say for sure that that was it, but he was losing weight. And obviously everyone was concerned. The midwife was coming back every day or two. And she was giving the same kind of advice where just, just spend more time nurse whenever he's awake, be constantly nursing. And then I was getting different advice from a lactation consultant. And it was, I, I almost felt like I was betraying my midwife by not listening to her, but it just wasn't working. And to be told to be constantly nursing when you're in that much pain, you're tired it's, it really just wasn't doable. I felt like I was giving it all I could. So, um, the lactation consultant had me start pumping, but they also, when you go into the lactation consultant, they take a very accurate weight of the baby before you feed, have you feed the baby? And then they can tell, okay, he took one and a half ounces from this breast and then a half ounce from this breast. And if you're feeding, X number of times a day, he should be getting two and a half ounces. So uh, we need to pump after you feed him and try to make up that extra ounce or half an ounce or whatever the difference is. Um, So she had me get a hospital grade pump. And what we found is once I started pumping and bottle feeding my son, he stopped being able to breastfeed very well. So we went back to the lactation consultant, did the weights before and after. And I think maybe he took a half an ounce in 40 minutes. So that's kind of where, when the midwife is telling you, be breastfeeding 24 hours a day, basically, (laughs) and he's still not really getting any food. It's not, I don't know. And like, maybe I could have tried harder and I, I don't know. I think it just wasn't working. And so we did start supplementing once we realized how much I was producing and how little he was getting. We started supplementing with some donor milk and some homemade formula. And I know that's a little controversial, but it was only a few ounces a day. And I really wasn't concerned about getting... I mean, the formula I made was probably 20 different ingredients. It was trying to mimic the exact nutritional quality of breast milk, but I'm not going to tell everybody that they should do that, but that was what I was comfortable with. So some of them had liver and bone broth and then a bunch of different fats, like mimicking, mimicking what was in breast milk. Um, But I did only have a few ounces of that. He was mostly getting my milk and then... The donor milk as well. There's sites where you can get people who are tested so that you know that at least they're not sick. But something for me was you don't know, since there's so much bacteria in breast milk, you don't know the health of the person that you're getting this milk from necessarily. And if they're if they're just not eating super well. I I was comfortable enough with it because again, it was only a few ounces a day, but I did tend to do more of the formula than the donor milk. So, um, so 
we ended up, I got mastitis too. And it was just a weird thing. Yeah. It was like one of my breasts produced really well and the other one didn't. And then I got mastitis in the one that was producing more. And it was, I got a really bad fever too, or I couldn't move. Mine was really a day. And my midwife gave me 24 hours where I didn't have to take antibiotics if I could get rid of the fever in 24 hours. So I drank a ton of fluids and had to keep nursing out of that breast that was really painful. She was having me do something called dangle feeding. I did that. I tell everyone who gets mastitis to do that. Everyone. Okay. (laughs) It was just like so awkward, but your baby is on the floor and you're basically in the hands and knees over the baby, dangling your breast down into their mouth. And it's supposed to increase the flow from those clogged ducts. And then you're massaging your breast and heating it and doing all the things. But I did get rid of my mastitis in the 24 hours, but it, it really was terrible. And then after that forever, that breast stopped producing as much milk. And that was like my good boob. (laughs) So for the rest of my breastfeeding, we breastfed for about 14 months. That breast that got the mastitis was half the amount of the other breast when I was pumping. So that was just really frustrating. Uh, and I, I just remember always being like, well, if this one could make as much as the other one, we'd be fine, but it is what it is. So, um, so we saw that that lactation consultant I saw was at a hospital and her, her main recommendations were around the pump and she examined my son, didn't really find anything wrong. And I did have a lowish supply, which I knew because I was pumping. And you said you kind of gave up on the obsessive measuring pretty early. And I never did. It was when I breastfed, like timing each breast. And then when I pumped every quarter of an ounce of milk, obsessively tracking it. And I didn't feel comfortable breastfeeding my son because... I didn't know what he was getting and going through that where he was losing weight early on. Um, and, and some healthcare providers that I trusted just asking for some advice and they would say things like, Oh, if he's not getting enough food or enough milk now, he could have brain damage. And it was just a scary time. Yeah. And I don't, it's hard to know. It's hard. Like, and they tell you to check for the wet diapers and he had the wet diapers. So I know he was getting at least some milk and, but I don't know what's a scary amount of weight to lose versus, I don't know, you know, it's hard to say, but it just made it really hard for me to trust the process. And I do wonder even if I didn't have problems going to the next one, will it be, will I be able to trust my body and my baby that I can look for the signs? But then we ended up seeing another lactation consultant my acupuncturist recommended this woman and she was probably like the home birth equivalent of a lactation consultant like it was in her home and she was uh she was just different but I really liked her and she wasn't trying to hurry me out because she could see me for an hour it was just very relaxed and 
asking me questions about my kid and myself and and she found a tongue tie in my son and I was really really pissed that this woman that I saw when Connor was six days old didn't find it because that could have changed so much if we got it corrected early versus he was probably about six or seven weeks old when the selectation consultant found the tongue tie and I remember I I had gotten back to work at about six and a half weeks because I changed jobs when I was pregnant. So I couldn't get the 12 weeks of FMLA. And so the tongue tie was right after that. It was like my first full week back at work. And I said, I will take unpaid time. I'm just, I can't come in. I need to go to his surgery because it's about feeding and you kind of need to give him your boob right away and hope that it fixes things. So So we did the revision. Um, That was something we really did a lot of research on. And I don't have a a definitive, I don't have a definitive way to say, yes, I absolutely think I should have done that or shouldn't. It's just, we did it. I don't think uh, we're fine with our decision. (laughs) So, uh, but there really isn't like some of the, I talked to my cousin who's a speech pathologist, which it's kind of in her field to work with that. She's not any kind of expert in lactation, but she was kind of saying, oh, they're overdoing that these days. I don't know. And like overdoing the revisions. But for us, I'm I'm happy with my decision. So, but I wouldn't universally say like everyone has to get tongue ties clipped. So, and then... So we kept going back to the lactation consultant who was doing exercises with Connor's sucking. So she would kind of put a finger in his mouth and like wait for him to do the correct tongue motions. And it it was kind of crazy because it was about four weeks after the revision that all of a sudden I was like flooded with milk again. So this whole time, um, we had still been supplementing because I wasn't pumping enough and I was back at work. So it was, I knew again, exactly how much I was getting. And then, you know, flooded with milk is an exaggeration, but it was like where he would cry and I would start to lactate and I wasn't getting that before this. So something happened in my body that was responding to him being able to draw the milk. It's, It's, I don't know. It was just very fascinating to me that the body responds in that way. And it was like very obvious to me that if I went too long in the morning, I would start leaking and that hadn't happened since I had just had the baby. So, um, and then I, at that point, so that would have been about three, three months postpartum, I was able to just make enough milk so that he only was getting my milk and we didn't have to supplement anymore, which was nice, but it was still, uh, very much on the low end. I was probably looking on the breast feeding sites every day of how much milk does does your kid need, and it was literally the lowest number on the range that here's what they can have. And I was like, well, he seems fine, and I do think eating a nutrient rich diet like helped give me the confidence that he's getting a lot of nutrients. It's just. And I do feel like he was getting enough calories. He was sleeping well. So, you know, I, that was, we were okay with that low end of the range too, just 
seeing that he seemed healthy and his, he was gaining weight and everything was going well. So, but it was, I was obsessively like mostly pumping even on the weekends and I did have a longer commute. So I did the car thing and pumped three times at work and then once going to work and once coming home. So five times in the work day and it's, it's definitely a job. And so I was still really, even at this point where I was making this lowest number on the range, I was still obsessing about it. And like I said, pretty much every day I was looking at this range and calculating, like looking at the prior days app of how much I pumped and okay, but I breastfed him first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Maybe that's two ounces in the morning. Maybe it's three and like kind of just obsessing about these numbers. Um, so I, I think there was some anxiety about it. It felt kind of like an eating disorder to me where I was really obsessively tracking and trying to make everything perfect and do the power pumping. And can I get an extra pumping session at work or, um, and even though, so you had mentioned sleep briefly too. My son started sleeping through the night at 10 weeks. And that was something where we chose, we really, really wanted to have him sleeping through the night as soon as possible because I was working. I don't sleep that well anyway that we just really wanted him sleeping through the night so we were very strict about the schedule feeding and working on the schedule to get him to where he could sleep through the night and as soon as he did a couple nights when he would wake up in the middle of the night we wouldn't feed him so he didn't get in that habit of needing to wake up at night to eat so but I was still pumping every night (laughs) because Everything online says, oh, 4 a.m. is the most, uh, where you produce the most milk. So I didn't let that go for a really long time. I want to say seven months or so where I still set an alarm to pump. So, and then just, I, this whole time I was obsessing about the low production, you know, we'll get into all the foods and the teas and that kind of stuff. And then my midwife recommended Domperidone, the the drug that can, it's actually a side effect that makes milk supply increase. And I looked into some of that and I wasn't comfortable with what it really does and the potential side effects, other side effects of it. So I didn't do that. So um, yeah, my son usually breastfed first thing in the morning because it said that that's where I'd have enough milk where he'd get something and then Uh, sometimes basically what I would do is I would breastfeed him at night and then I would give the milk I pumped from the middle of the night, the night before. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was overcalculated. And even with what we pumped or what we, with what I pumped at work, I would separate it into this is morning milk. This is evening milk so that when he got the bottles, the different, there's more melatonin in your milk at night. So we wanted to keep that separated and make sure he was kind of trying to get around the right hormones for the time of day. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that. 
I don't know, you breastfed, so it, you're getting the milk right at the time of the day it is. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that was that was something I would definitely do again is keep the evening milk for. Uh, and I didn't I didn't do it more specific than that. If I pumped on a work trip, I would put the time on the bag. But for the stuff I pumped at work, I just had like a daytime jar and that would go to him the next day. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, and this is something, it was really, really difficult. And I have gone back and talked to my husband since then. Like my midwife is like, wow, you have a lot of grit. I really admire you for sticking with this. And I was just curious what my husband thought of it. I went back and said, well, what do you think of me sticking with this and getting through the breastfeeding? He's like, Oh, that was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That the stress I put my family through for two to four ounces of milk was really not logical. So it's just a pressure thing. There's a lot of pressure on, on parents, especially when you are similar to us and you over-research everything, yeah. <laughs> you feel like you have to do things a certain way. And there are no, at least this is how I felt, there there are no other options, even though there are a ton of other options. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's tough. It is tough to be, you know, that way. But Well, and I'll say, okay, so we're in this space where we care about what we eat and that translates into caring I want my son to have the best nutrition, but it's also, we eat a little differently. And I think part of this cockiness comes around that because people kind of think it's weird. And I want to be like the super healthy mom (laughs) that basically, um, I, I mean, I guess this is a good place to kind of talk about weight loss. That was another expectation I had postpartum was that I would lose the weight right away because I don't eat sugar and I don't eat carbs. And, you know, I, I I do eat carbs. That was not, (laughs) was not, uh, just don't want to get stuck on that, but just the fact that we eat differently than a lot of people, you almost want to justify it with these health gains, um, because so many people think it's weird and it's, so that was something the entire time I breastfed, I held on to quite a bit of weight. And that was something I didn't expect because like I said, I didn't have, I didn't have any cupcakes when I was pregnant. Like I didn't use it as a time to, oh, well, I'm eating for two. Like I was very, very diligent and really overly healthy. And then postpartum that might've changed a little bit. I kind of want to get into the lactation foods, but I think it was still really healthy, but it, it was maybe different than I normally would eat. But by seven or so months postpartum, I really went back to a lower carb, more of a paleo diet, like extremely clean. And it just didn't make a difference in my weight. And it was... So we, we breastfed for almost 14 months and within a month of stopping breastfeeding, I lost 25 pounds and I had a hunch the whole time I was breastfeeding that that's what was causing the weight, um, 
but I couldn't prove it. And it, it was honestly really difficult, like still being in my maternity pants 12 months postpartum. And I didn't feel like I deserved it with how I was eating and I was exercising. I started seeing a trainer when Connor was 13 weeks old and yeah, it was difficult. And I had a hunch that it was the breastfeeding, but I also thought, well, what if this is my new normal? There's a lot of women out there who just say, oh, your body changes after you have kids. And it certainly changed, (laughs) Um, but it wasn't, you know, the weight gain wasn't that it was something with hormones. And I think that the 25 pounds in a month thing kind of proves that that's what caused it. So even going into the second pregnancy, it's something I'm very aware of that I might have to go through again and I'm not looking forward to, but you know, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's all worth it for your kid. Like you said, it is. Yeah. And that's totally valid to feel that way. And it, it, it's, I just, it's so interesting to hear people talk about their stories. I, I thought that's how I would be too, because I came from this like highly restrictive. I mean, I ran a marathon a few months before I had my son. So like, that's just, Oh my gosh. I myself as a fitness or not before I had him before I got pregnant. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, not before I had him. <laughs> that yeah I like would you be peeing every quarter of a mile (laughs) probably even less oh my gosh I had a broken foot right before I had him there was no running happening okay um but yeah I identified myself as the fitness person I was a personal trainer at the time like that's just okay yes but then I don't know if it was when I was pregnant or just before I got pregnant I had to do I had to do a lot of mindset work because I almost had to force myself to eat more because of how restrictive I was leading up to um, the pregnancy and everything. And I I just like, I remember even being a, a kid in high school or whatever. And I, it was all about image, right? It's like, okay, I don't want to lose my abs or whatever, whatever. And I've always tied worth to weight and size in my head. But for some reason, maybe it was the pregnancy. I just... I don't know, that kind of just left my mind and I didn't put any expectations on myself. And I don't, it was hard, I think, but yeah, it, it's weird. It's so weird. I'm just now starting to actually work out again. Cause I would try okay. and I was, let me say this too. I had such severe postpartum anxiety. And then we moved into this home that we now know is filled with mold. So I had all of these symptoms yeah. all these moves, you know, so like I couldn't, I, I physically could not do anything. So I think a lot of it was just surrendering and just accepting, which, you know, isn't easy when you think things should be a certain way in your head, just accepting, okay, well, I, I physically cannot do this right now. So I guess it's just not a priority, you know, and I really had to keep reminding myself of that throughout this whole, these whole two years really it was, that is not who I am. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know what my point is with that random story, but it's just. No, I actually, it's, I'm glad you mentioned this because with what I said with eating healthy and working out, I also want to say that I was never trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I didn't overwork out. I would go to the gym for a half hour, two to three days a week and lift some weights so that I could build back my strength and working with the trainer. It was very focused on let's heal my core. Like let's, you know, I'm not trying to 
to burn a bunch of calories. It was let me heal my body. And I never restricted food. I was never willing to restrict food, restrict food. I was not willing to cut calories. My biggest priority was I need to be nourished to be able to feed my son and to be there for my family. And I'm already losing a lot of sleep. Like I am glad you mentioned that because I don't want it to seem like I was really trying to lose weight and couldn't. It was that I was trying to do what was healthy for my body. And I was hoping giving my body the right inputs would take the weight off, but it didn't. And I wasn't willing to force that. So I, I think that's different than the, the message we sometimes get to like, get off the couch and get your body back. Like, yes. no, I needed, I needed to rest. And when I, you know, when I just didn't want to do anything, I didn't, but when I could, um, I did want to recover from childbirth. So I love that. It's such a season of tuning inward. So I love that you said you just, you really paid attention and it is important to to take care of you and to nourish yourself because we are so often put on the back burner, whether ourselves doing it or, you know, just. And having a baby is extremely depleting. Yeah. And I, you know, I knew I wanted another kid. So it was, I really thought of food still as I needed an abundance to recover and to prep like, Immediately when I had Connor, it was, I need to prepare my body to have another kid again, even though I wasn't planning on getting pregnant for at least 18 months. It was, I mean, it takes that long (laughs) once like a baby is so depleting that to really build everything back up enough to where you can have another baby. It was, yeah, it was a, a time where I needed abundance, not restriction. Yeah. But I love that. it was love still, that. it was still very disappointing to me that it, it was that much weight where, um, you know, it, 10 months postpartum people are asking me if I'm pregnant and, you know, it didn't feel amazing. Yeah, no, that's tough. That has to be tough. And then I, I just want to touch on one other thing. Like, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we were talking about the emotional side where you and I both follow more of an aware parenting approach, which again, we'll have to do a whole episode on this, but where you can hold space for emotion. So you're not telling your kid you're fine. You're not telling them how they feel. It's about being there for where they are. And this is, it's been extremely powerful in my marriage, like how I think about my own emotional needs. And this is something where... I almost feel bad saying like, oh, I was going through so much with this weight gain, but it it was a really difficult thing and having to put on work clothes that just didn't fit. And it's, I know people deal with weight all the time. And I, you know, this was a relatively short period of time, but it was still really difficult for me. And I would try to talk to people about it and other women, I got one of two responses like, oh, you look fine. Or you just had a baby. Why are you even talking about this? Oh my goodness. So it was like, it was either like, oh, you don't have a problem. What are you talking about? Or I I can't hear this. Like you can't even be thinking about this. And it like, really, I just wanted somebody to say that sounds hard, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that is the space I'm trying to create with my son is like, 
oh, wow, that must have been scary that you fell. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry you had to feel that way. Yeah. So you, I don't have to tell him that it's okay to feel how he feels because it just is okay. And um, I, I don't know. I just thought it was like such a weird thing that I was going through this thing and I couldn't talk about it because nobody gave me that space. Yeah. So That's and it's a difficult thing to talk to your husband about because there's, you know, it's <laughs> just the whole sexual part of your relationship. It's yeah. kind of, it, it was hard to talk to him. So I was hoping to have friends to talk to and I just didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That really is. And that's all you need, <laughs> especially in time like that. It's just someone to say, this sucks. I hear yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just want to feel validated because you're told you're wrong from just about every angle or. Oh my God. It's Yeah. Internet. Like I, I just wish I could go back and have a baby before the internet was around because <laughs> It seems like it had to be so much better. You just did your thing. You just heard from your mother-in-law how screwed up you were. That's, you know, that's as far as it went. But yeah, <laughs> not the whole internet. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Well, yeah, I think as a transition, I, I might go into the food now. And a lot of that stemmed from kind of my relationship with the internet. Um, but did you do any of the things for the low milk supply, like all the things they say to do, or did you just not have to worry about that? I remember going to my, one of my son's first pediatrician appointments and the doctor said, drink dark beer. And I was like, okay. I had like two sips and I was done. I was so paranoid about drinking when I was nursing, especially early yeah. on. But, but we did, I did the, I did lactation cookies. I did um, I'm trying to even remember what all we did. I didn't have a terrible, I was fortunate. I didn't really have a terrible yeah. time with low supply. So I didn't, that was one of the things that I gave myself permission to take off of my plate because I was suffocating with anxiety and I'm grateful yeah. for that. But, but I did love the lactation cookies, <laughs> <laughs> all the oats, yeah. all the brewer's yeast. <laughs> yeah. So that was something that I did obsessively, like all the all the lactation things. And I mean, I want to go back and look at this now because I really feel like it's not the more, the better. I think it's more of a, you need a little bit to make sure you're able to produce milk, <laughs> not you need to eat oats and yams all of the time. Every but <laughs> yeah, this is something where I was you know, along with the rest of the breastfeeding, I was obsessively doing the teas and the drops and my husband made the lactation cookies, which he is just so wonderful for doing. It was, they weren't paleo because they had oats, but other than that, it was like a oatmeal chocolate chip cookie and with brewer's yeast. And, uh, I forget what else made it a lactation cookie, but, um, so I, I had a lot of those, like it was just, and maybe I needed it. Maybe it was just like, it's hard enough just to get to the fridge and you need something that you can grab. But it did, it did evolve over the time where I just kept telling my husband, can you put less sugar in this batch? Can you put even less sugar in this batch? And it wasn't a great choice for me to have that much sugar. And I switched more later to like oats, like cooking oats in my rice cooker and adding brewer's yeast and butter and collagen and making it a more balanced meal with protein and fats. 
And again, the same thing with the yams, like being able to put butter and collagen and at least have it not all be carbs, but the things they tell you online are the oats, the yams, the brewer's yeast, and it's pretty carby. And that's not how I was eating even right until I gave birth. It was relatively low carb. Uh, and I just feel better that way. I've, I've had blood sugar issues in my past and it just helps me have more sustained energy. So it's not a diet thing. It's just what feels good to me. So so that was something that I kind of wish I, this knowledge I've gained about my body my entire life, I seem to just throw it away because the internet told me I needed to be eating cookies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I resisted all of it when I was pregnant and I was able to fully do the research of what to eat for each trimester, what nutrients I needed. And I think it is just, like you said, you don't have a lot of space to be doing all the things after you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. So that would be something, I think they recommend making ahead meals and freezing them. And But maybe some of this kind of stuff too, like something that you can grab would be a great thing to have around because it's a time where it's difficult to make decisions. And if you can make the decisions even while you're pregnant, but ahead of having the baby, I think you're coming from a better place. And, you know, this is two years ago for us now, but it still feels like, wow, I, I want to, I want to be ready for that if I can more this time, but. Yeah, it's a lot. It really is yeah. a lot to consider. And there's just a lot of pressure. And that's something I've had to kind of work through too is, is letting up some of that pressure on myself that yes, there's a way that I want to be doing things. And ideally I would, but I don't know. I've, I've done the make myself crazy trying to do it all quote, right. And it just led to pretty severe burnout (laughs) health issues and stuff, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's just so, it's just so interesting how different it is for everybody. Yeah. And that was something I think a lot of people said, trust your instincts with your new baby instead of looking at on Google all the time. And like I said, like eating these foods that I knew didn't really work for me, but I just had such a hard time trusting myself. And I guess that would be what I would say is like, maybe you don't have these instincts as a mom necessarily, but there are things you know about yourself from living your whole life in your body and it doesn't just go away because you're postpartum or because you're pregnant or whatever, whatever the situation is. So, but yeah, I I think as much as you can prepare before having the baby, I'm, I'm going to hope I take my advice this time, but, um, like putting, I have friends that would do like gallon freezer bags where you, put all the ingredients of a crock pot meal in there so that all you'd have to do is open it and dump it into the crock pot to make a meal. Um, muffins freeze really well. Um, so yeah, whatever you can do. We spent a whole day just, doing that and I felt like the food was gone in the first couple of weeks. Oh. <laughs> it's like we have so much stocked up. This is great. And then it, it probably lasted longer than that, but it just was like, boom. 
I mean, even like the first couple of weeks, those are just insane. I, I know. They're I don't like, even. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting with a toddler too. Ah, oh my gosh. So you're going to pay away for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how it goes i will i will uh figure it all out and then let you know you'll have all the answers <laughs> obviously yeah. But, um yeah so i think we touched on some of that like the the recommended foods and a couple others were like fennel seed where you'll find a lot of those in the nursing drops and then uh, I put this on our notes and you didn't know about it, but malungai, or it's also called moringa. It's the same thing. It's like this green leaf. But my sister was dating somebody who is Filipino and he had heard about this. I, I don't know how he remembered this or he like brought up to somebody in his family that I was having trouble nursing. Like I talked about it all the time. So that, <laughs> so that might've been it. And, um, and then there was the time that he got to see me topless because I pretty much didn't wear a shirt around my house. James was <laughs> out the window. Modesty is gone. Once you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was not. I did not know he was there, but my sister lived with us and it was, oh goodness. Yeah. Oh goodness. It pretty much does. Like you're, you're nursing all the time. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and get water without a shirt on. <laughs> but, Anyway, so he um, he was talking to his family and there's this leaf called malungai and you can get it at an Asian grocery store and basically it's leaves that you uh, pull off and make into tea. So, but again, I'm going to say, I don't know that any of those things made that much of a difference. And I was worried, worried about eating all the yams and the oats and all the things because they say that. And then... I think it was about seven months postpartum that I really just wanted to feel better. I didn't feel like myself. I felt like I was just kind of lacking control. And I went back on a lower carb diet because, and this, this was a really pretty low carb that I'm just like, I kind of need to reset and not be craving this sugar all the time. And it really didn't impact my milk. And I was so worried about it. I, I think these things you probably need to worry about less than the internet makes it seem. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So it's all worth a try as long as it's not driving you crazy. But if you're letting it get to the point where it's driving you crazy, it's probably not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. There's definitely a line and only you know where that line is. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think we covered breastfeeding. I think so too. <laughs> I hope that you guys could take something away from this, whether that's just some peace of mind, a little bit of relatability, anything, any, any little nuggets from our <laughs> cluster. Yeah. And I think just, I was craving this kind of stuff when I was a new mom, just hearing that it's not all roses and yeah, I, it's Yeah. You're feeding your kid, no matter how that looks. And you're doing a wonderful job. Let us tell you that over and over. You're doing amazing. Yes. So yes. keep it up or don't keep it up if it's not working and you don't have to feel guilty about it. Exactly. No stress. Your baby's fed, however that looks. And yep. you're, golden. you're golden. So thanks so much yeah. for listening. Yeah. I'll talk to you next week. 
Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.